Investable Universe is about thematic topics in real assets investing. This is what we mean by the global market of things, real estate, infrastructure, land, energy, and other commodities that have historically been viewed as boring old income investments. But take a look at the shifts underway in these asset classes, from industry disruptors to new investors to emerging markets to geopolitics, and you'll find these assets are very interesting. We'll talk about private equity, venture capital, corporate VC, sovereign wealth funds, listed markets, crazy startups, some old guard investment firms, some maverick entrepreneurs, and some paradigm-shifting technologies. One thing is certain, no corner of the global market of things will be left untouched by the changes happening right now, and that's what we talk about on this podcast. I don't think it's an understatement to say that the energy revolution of the 21st century is battery-powered. But in all the talk of EV batteries and battery storage and all the ways that these technologies will transform power in renewable ways, relatively little attention is being paid to the environmental impacts of battery recycling. By 2030, there will be over 15 million tons of lithium-ion batteries ready for recycling, containing, get this, over $18 billion just in the battery element cobalt. But while recycling seems like a no-brainer for the enlightened industry participant, traditional methods can leave a damaging and corrosive environmental footprint, not unlike extractive industry. So that's a problem, but one that my guest today is ready to solve. She is Megan O'Connor, founder and CEO of EnthCycle, a Boston-area startup that has developed a modular electric solution to sustainably recycle lithium-ion battery materials. She holds a PhD in civil and environmental engineering from Duke University and is a graduate of the second cohort of the Innovation Crossroads program at the Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Megan, thank you for joining Investable Universe today. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So let's, maybe you could quantify first for our listeners, the size of the battery market. I mean, we sort of alluded to it a little bit in the, in the intro, that's 15 million tons by 2030, but let's, you know, let's do a deeper dive into the size of this opportunity. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. It's going to be a massive market as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. right? As we move towards full electricity, right? All of the technologies rely on lithium ion batteries, right? Mm -hmm. That is sort of the the path to the future. And so if we think about just the building blocks, right? The metals that actually power these lithium ion batteries, I think you mentioned it before, it's an $18 billion industry for Mm -hmm. just one of those metals, which is cobalt. If we look at all of the critical metals, not just cobalt, but lithium and nickel and the rare earth metals. So all of these sort of building blocks, as I like to call them, that will truly power the clean energy transition. It will be a $167 billion market in 2030. That's just based off of the projected demand. Wow. So how much of this is currently recycled at all? So in terms of lithium ion batteries worldwide, it's estimated Uh that there's less than 5% recycled Uh today. Holy moly. Okay. And is there, so, but there are, there are methods to, to do so. There are methods to recycle, right? But but it's chemical. It's a chemical based process. Is that right? That's right. So, Mm -hmm. so the same uh, sort of technologies that we have in the space to recycle Mm -hmm. electronics, waste, and batteries is the same base technology they use in the mining and refining processes. And it's really hydrometallurgy and pyrometallurgy. So they're really big words, really just meaning for hydrometallurgy, mm-hmm. they dissolve everything in acids and use a bunch of solvents to pull these metals out. Mm-hmm. And then pyrometallurgy, as the name suggests, is very high temperatures and pressure. So you th- can think of a very large furnace that mm-hmm. will burn the material and pull the metal out as slag. Mm-hmm. And so what's the environmental footprint like of those industries? I mean, because we think of it as anything recycling oriented has kind of a halo effect, but it sounds like these are potentially very corrosive and damaging processes, not unlike mining itself. That's right. Exactly. And because of the same technology, they have a massive environmental footprint, right? Mm -hmm. 
if you think about the base technologies, right, the, the hydro is, is pushing in all this acid. And so mm-hmm. that just to create that acid alone has massive greenhouse gas emissions impacts and then burning things at very high temperatures and pressures and with all of the, the hazardous materials in there really just, again, increases that carbon footprint. And so it's really time that that new technology come into the arena to make it not only sustainable, but mm-hmm. also very cost effective because these, you know, hydro and pyrometallurgy are not only horribly uh, bad for the environment, but they're actually not that cost effective for this new type of waste, like like lithium-ion batteries that we're seeing. So enter Nth Cycle. That's a lovely segue. <laughs> so you're disrupting this uh, this this recycling quandary with electro extraction, an entirely new method for battery recycling. Tell us how it works. That's right. Electro extraction is clean, it's customizable, and it's consistent. So it's a completely different way to look at battery recycling. Mm-hmm. Our only input for the core technology is electricity. So we mm-hmm. put in a little bit of electricity and we can pull out these variable, uh, very valuable metals, excuse me, again, at a very low cost and with a much lower environmental footprint because that energy that we put in can come from 100% renewable, mm-hmm. right? So it's a completely different way without using the harsh acids and solvents um, while being modular. So one of the big issues that the industry faces is that electronics waste and battery waste in general is very distributed, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of us listening to this have old cell phones or laptops sitting in our drawers at home, and those batteries are not making it into the mainstream to be recycled. And so mm-hmm. one of the big issues is actually getting it. And so what Encycle is doing is creating a very modular solution to go wherever that waste is instead of having to worry about shipping the waste into one location. So in addition to having a single power source, which is electricity, uh, there's something, as I understand it, the process that you have introduced into the recycling process and the, ex- the extraction process is much simplified compared to traditional methods. Can you talk about how combining, let's say, the filtration and electro-winning steps of the recycling process into one step adds efficiency or reduces the energy footprint? I mean, how does the, how does the process modification work? So in electro extraction, that's right, we've combined both water filtration with traditional electrochemistry and chemical precipitation. So these are all three different unit processes, as we like to call them, that are used in industry today that we have combined, which is where our core IP lies. Mm -hmm. And by combining those, we can really increase the efficiency of those processes um, as they would be by themselves Mm -hmm. um, and overcome a lot of the major limitations you'd see in traditional processes. So by doing that, we can get the very low operating costs and and the very high um, if, uh, recovery rates that you'd want to see in these types of metal processing. So as you uh, explained, the nth cycle unit is a modular unit. Um, can you talk about how, like, since this is, we're talking here for the benefit of listeners, what does it look like? And how do users hook it up to what, can they hook it up like to a solar generator if you want to have like that, if you want to double down on the renewable, on the sustainable credentials of this, of this process? I mean, what is it, what's it, what does it look like in action? Yeah, that's a great question. So it looks like a basic water filter that you'd have at home. If you have a pool at home or well water, it's just a basic water filter that we Mm -hmm. have modified the internal components to make it electricity go across that filter surface. And that's by applying that electricity, that's what selectively removes the metals out. So you can envision it as just a a basic water filter. Uh It's about um, a thousand square feet in size. You can think of a small apartment is Uh is what the unit will actually look like. So um, quite small for industrial um, Uh right filters, but quite large if you're thinking of a a pool filter Uh at home. Um, And you can imagine, yes, we can hook it up to any renewable source if we had it available. And so that's, again, one of the the major benefits of the technology. And and it can can be retrofitted on existing recycling hardware or existing hardware? How does that work? 
It can, yes. So, so we can be a replacement to traditional technology or an enhancement. So we can go to the customers who are already using hydro and power metallurgy, and we're simply an added technology into their stack to mm-hmm. make it much more efficient and much more environmentally friendly to process things with hydro at the end of that process, because we simply upgrade this very low-grade waste into mm-hmm. a useful product for these refining technologies. So how much does it cost? So overall, our technology is 75% cheaper than hydro and pyro per kilogram of, of metal that we process. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of capital costs, think, you know, 100x less. I mean, mm-hmm. these hydro and pyro facilities are tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to install, mm-hmm. whereas we can go into a battery recycling facility for, for significantly less. Mm-hmm. And then, so talk a little about your business model and what your client relationships are like. I mean, do they, do your clients buy the unit and then your, your dealings with them are done? Or do they have an ongoing relationship with you through uh, data analytics or analysis of their waste streams or maybe a subscription model, for example? Yeah, so for our technology in particular, because it's so uh, modular and it can be tuned to so many different feedstocks, right? And that's critically important in the battery space as we're getting all these different types of cathode chemistry. So uh-huh. a, a battery from a, a consumer electronic phone will look very different than what you see coming out of an EV. Mm-hmm. And so we felt, you know, and talked to the customers about, you know, being able to be on site and actually tune that system as ah. we see new batteries mm-hmm. come in over time. Yeah. And so our model is what we like to call a tolling model. So we'll be on site, we will own and operate our device for them uh-huh. to be able to tune to all these different feedstocks and we'll charge a fee per kilogram of waste that we process for them. So we won't okay. own the material coming in and we won't own it coming out. Okay. Um, but we'll again, get that fee and then a share of the revenue. Okay. And so you own the hardware then. So basically it's the, it's the material that runs through that the client then owns. That's going correct. in and coming out. Okay. Now so here's another question for you. This is kind of a, I don't know, it's a conjectural question here. <laughs> Do you think it's realistic that the lithium ion battery supply chain can become self-sustaining due to recycling technologies within our, let's say our lifetime, let's just say, or not, not to say the foreseeable future. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a great question. I get that asked that all mm-hmm. the time and, mm-hmm. and it's not realistic to say that we can become self-sustaining with recycling alone, mm-hmm. which is why right. And cycles overall mission is to, to create a, a new supply chain from all different feedstocks. So sustainable okay. mining is in there as well, because uh-huh. Right. If we were able to recycle all of the material available in 2030, it would only be 10% of the metals needed uh-huh. um, for manufacturing at that time. And so, right, it's a it's a holistic uh, approach that we're taking all the way from mining to battery recycling. So I think in our lifetime we could achieve that, but uh-huh. near term, right, there just won't be simply enough metal in the recycled content coming through uh-huh. um, to to fully sustain the demand that we project in 2030. Now, there's an old saying in commodity markets that if you can grade it, you can trade it. And it makes me think that, you know, the emergence, we may see the emergence of an alternative commodity stream that can be traded in recycled battery elements. What do you think? Is it possible that there will actually be a tradable market in recycled battery components in the near future? I do. Absolutely. And we've talked to a lot of folks in this space and actually just brought on a new board member um, in the commodity trading space to help mm-hmm. us with this um, exact question, it, because we're seeing a lot of movement towards that space. A lot mm-hmm. of the you know, OEMs and big players in the market are looking for this low carbon footprint or recycled material or whatever they want to call it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we see a growing demand for it. And I think very soon we will start to see, you know, an actual, you know, um, yeah real trading of recycled material in general. Do you think that in terms of the of the corporate trend toward recycling, that um, that recycling technologies will become integrated by the mining companies themselves so that they are mining and extracting and also recycling and that they just capture the entire process? Or will it? do you think it will remain fragmented for a period of time? 
I think it will remain fragmented at least at the start. And what yeah. we do see a lot of movement from a lot of these large integrated producers who, you know, like you said, sort of extract the material right out of the ground and then also are starting to recycle. And so I do see a, a big movement in the space, especially in the automotive OEM space, right? A lot of them are moving towards integrating recycling right into their own process so that mm-hmm. when they get battery packs back, especially in Europe, right, they can recycle that and put it directly back into their own manufacturing processes. Uh-huh. So we talked a little in the intro about the about the impacts of I mean that's I mean that's the problem you're solving the environmental impact of you know extraction of these metal extraction and, and recycling technologies and the impact has been I, I think anyone would agree has been particularly harsh on developing countries I mean they have paid the price time and time and time again for you know for cent- for decades if not you know centuries does the ability to extract usable battery elements from existing e-waste streams using modular technology that's cheap to install, that's modular, that's easy to easy to deploy, provide a potential revenue stream for developing countries without, let's say, the compromises and the, the vulnerabilities of traditional mining practices? I think so. I think, yeah. right, a lot of the technology, again, as I mentioned earlier, that's used yeah. in recycling can also be used for sustainable mining, as we like to call it, right? Because mining yeah. has such a negative connotation attached to it. Yeah. Um, it's the same technology used for both. And so yeah. if we can show that it works for electronics recycling and use it in the countries that have all this these piles of e-waste sitting around, right, where right. illegal recycling is, is typically done, yeah. um, we could do it for sustainable mining in those countries as well. And so I do think sure. there's a path forward to um creating a much more sustainable, but also right. ethical, right, um, uh, mining industry moving forward. Well, it seems also, I mean, the images of, you know, you envision like uh, piles of, of clothes that people have donated and those just end up being shipped off to a third world country that may or may not want them or need them. And they just, they just pile up, right? So the idea is that you could have some kind of third destination where a country that maybe maybe they they have you know resources maybe they don't have resources uh, for in, in terms of a in terms of a homegrown mining industry but they could that could become a revenue source for them to recycle the stream if the if the unit that enables them to do so is modular right do you right that's right because mm-hmm. a lot yeah exactly a lot of those countries don't have sort of the capital to invest in the traditional hydro and pyro techniques and that's right, right. if a modular two technology could go over there like in cycles mm-hmm. and a lot of these waste piles exist today right and they're yeah. simply untapped or, or unfortunately being illegally mined for these materials mm-hmm. in a very um, damaging way not just for the environment but also the humans doing the work mm-hmm. um, and so I do think there's a big path forward there so in, uh, in, in your company's news, uh, earlier this spring, AnthCycle received a $3.2 million seed round from Clean Energy Ventures. Can you talk about that round and your relationship with Clean Energy Ventures? And I don't know, maybe you've got another round coming up in the future. I don't, I don't want you to share any news that you can't, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's not fully vetted yet, but what can you tell us about your round? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we work very closely with Dan and are now in the clean mm-hmm. energy uh, portfolio and are very excited to be a part of that. Uh, we thought from the very beginning, even when we started talking to them, that they have a great mission, right, to invest in yep. companies that can save, you know, a certain amount of greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. And so we were very excited to to be a part of this and, and using the $3.2 million to scale to our first um, commercial pilot in uh-huh. early 2022. So we're very, very excited for that uh-huh. and to be finally commercializing the technology to, to a, a realistic scale. Um, and we are um, actively fundraising for our Series A. Um, we Great. can't get any details about it, but okay. we're very excited to announce that hopefully within the next few months. Uh, okay. So your first commercial pilot is planned for early 2022. Can you talk about your geographical footprint at all? Are you planning on moving into other non-U.S. markets, U.S. markets strictly, anything you can, anything you can give us, any hints you can give us in that direction. 
So we're sticking to North America to begin with, uh, mm-hmm. but we do have plans to move over uh, overseas uh, in the next couple of years. Ah, okay. Now, if, on a final a final note, it says on your website that prog- prospective clients can send black mass to EnthCycle <laughs> for a free analysis. I can't say I have any black mass myself, but what the, so that you can. Do you want to do you want to talk about your about your pitch to prospective clients? Can they send black mass to you and you'll your firm will do an analysis of it? How does it work? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, black mass is is really um you can think about it as a shredded battery. It's it's okay. sort of the material that's left over after batteries are shred in industry, okay. which happens here in the States and overseas. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, absolutely. Please. I mean, we are always looking for prospective clients um, okay. that write black mass is something that we do best. We can pull out the graphite, the nickel, the cobalt, um, mm-hmm. and make them saleable products for you. So absolutely. If you are interested in sending your black mass to us or even other feedstocks like uh, raw ores, mine tailings, you know, mm-hmm. Encycle can do it all. And we're very excited to, to potentially work with you. So please feel free to, to mail us our addresses on the website. Uh-huh. Um, and we're very much looking forward to meeting you. And is there a minimum sample size for black mass analysis? Great question. We would need two kilograms for two that kilograms. minimum sample size. All right, two kilograms, get a sample, find out what's in all the you, you, the treasures you may be sitting on without even knowing it. But this is going to, I promise you, this is going to be a revolutionary technology. Megan O'Connor from Nth Cycle, thank you for speaking with Investable Universe this week. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting news. That's all we got for Investable Universe this week. If you liked what you heard, share the link, check out the site at investableuniverse.com or pitch us for future episodes. The address is editor at investableuniverse.com. My name is Rebecca Darst and you'll hear more from me next time.